0: following message is from North Place Church. For more information about North Place Church, visit northplacechurch.com. I want us to jump into the fourth Advent message. The expectant waiting, which is the theme of Advent, is almost over. Like the ancient believers from the Scripture that ached and longed for their anticipated Messiah, the four-week season of Advent compresses those feelings and emotions for us. As we march towards Christmas Eve in a few days, but ultimately the birth of Christ on Christmas Day, we experience some similar emotions as those early believers did waiting on Jesus to be born. Long before there were sleepless nights, sleepless Christmas Eve nights, where children were anxiously waiting whatever new gadget would be placed under the tree, there were centuries of anxious waiting by God's people. They were looking and longing and hoping, waiting in faith for their promised king. The prophet Isaiah was one of those people who were anxiously waiting. And when you read Isaiah 9, you see his waiting heart, but you also see a little bit about this king that they were waiting for. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." The scripture says a child, Isaiah says, a child is born, a son is given. You have to understand that the son existed before the child was born. The son being the divine son of God wrapped himself in human flesh and 100% divinity became 100% humanity as an expression of the love of God. He became one of us that he might save us. And then he said that he would be a leader who can fully bear the weight of government upon his shoulders. Where every king of the past and the present uh, had crumbled under the weight of leading God's people, Isaiah promises that this king would be different. And I want you to look at the names associated with that king, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. But on this last Sunday of Advent, Christmas weekend 2015, I want us to look at what it means for him to be called the Prince of Peace. Over the last several weeks, we have been in a series called Xmas, Finding What's Lost. We have been digging to rediscover the meaning of Christmas, a meaning that has been buried under our own consumerism, materialism, and greed. We're searching for the missing piece, not the missing piece as in P-I-E-C-E, but we're searching for the missing peace, P-E-A-C-E. Peace is so much more than one of life's elusive emotional states. Real, lasting peace is found in a person. Lasting peace is found in Jesus. Long before he was ever born, the prophet Isaiah declares that he would be called the Prince of Peace. And when the Prince of Peace is missing from the celebration, there is no peace. And when the Prince of Peace is missing from the holiday celebration, it isn't Christmas, it is only Xmas. Back in July, when Haley started decorating for Christmas, and maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a slight exaggeration, um, it was early though, in October, and uh, we had recently moved, so most of our Christmas stuff was in boxes, moving boxes and My 12-year-old daughter, Addie, was digging through some of those boxes because we were trying to put the tree up and and get everything put back in the attic, and she wanted something Christmassy going on, and so she started finding all of these animated classics that she watched when she was a lot younger, and she pulled out one randomly and stuck it in the DVD player, and up popped Charlie Brown Christmas. And on my television, while Charlie Brown and all of the characters that Schultz has created struggled to find the real meaning of Christmas on my television, the whole episode brought back a lot of childhood memories for me. So with the living room full of boxes and everything was disheveled and out of place, we sat down for a few moments just to watch. And that night, I saw a Charlie Brown Christmas like I had never seen it before. Now, you may not know it or not, but the Charlie Brown Christmas special aired this last week for the 50th time on primetime television. And in a world where the latest and greatest technology is outdated in a matter of months and social media trends come and go in a matter of days, 50 years of anything is rather meaningful. And like millions of other people before me since 1965 when it first aired, I have watched the episode dozens of times in my nearly 42 years of life, but I have never seen it quite like I did that October night. As a kid growing up, I never really noticed how overtly Christian the message of Christmas is in Schultz's classic, probably because the world I grew up in, watching the Charlie Brown special was less secular than it is today. And the clarity of the message was the normal message of the culture that I grew up in. So it didn't stand out to me as much as it did in October. It's been a few years since I paid attention to the animated classic until that coincidental October night. And seeing it made it even more clear to me how far we've spiritually digressed as a nation. Schultz's clarity about Jesus being the center of Christmas... Stood in stark contrast to the political correctness that has invaded our culture. The more popular holiday programs that are on television are safe, secular ideas of Xmas, festive decorating, charitable giving, and spending time with the family. But Schultz takes it further in A Charlie Brown Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas is addressed head-on in response to Charlie Brown's frustrated question, doesn't anyone know what Christmas is really about? And to answer that question, Schultz has Linus walk to the center of the stage, literally, while rehearsing for a Christmas play that they really don't understand the meaning of what Christmas is about anyway, Linus walks to the center of the stage and recites by memory Luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 14. In case it's been a while since you've seen it, watch. I hope I don't have to turn my man card in when I admit this, but I was emotionally moved when I watched this a few weeks ago considering how this presentation is a striking contrast to the toned down, tamed, politically correct stuff that we see today. They always say the darker the dark, the lighter the light, and maybe because the darker has gotten darker, then this thing that wasn't a big deal in 1965 is a bigger deal today than it's ever been. Linus's speech stood out to me more this year than ever before. And there is a story behind this that even in 1965 some of the producers and editors tried to get Schultz to cut that section out of the Charlie Brown Christmas and Schultz refused. He was being battling at that point for the Xmas idea even then and it Schultz was trying to help us and the generation in 1965 discover what they were losing and in some ways help us now rediscover what we have lost. He was putting Christ back in Xmas. Thousands of years ago, Isaiah prophesied of a coming king who would be called the Prince of Peace. And in the last few lines that Linus recites, he is reciting from Luke's gospel. And Luke writes in Luke 2:13 and 14: Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah calls him the Prince of Peace. And then at the announcement of his birth, Luke declares that because he has come, peace has come to earth. But do we really understand what Isaiah and Luke are talking about when they connect the coming of Jesus with the coming of peace? I promise you, it's probably not what you're thinking, especially if your definition of peace is the absence of war. Jesus never promised to bring an understanding of peace that would be the absence of strife or conflict of war, at least not during his first advent. During the time of the year, this time of year, we think about Jesus and it's normal for us to see him as a sweet baby in a manger and we sing songs about him being tender and mild and we have all of these peaceful images of the Christ child, that's appropriate, but we tend to then put those same peaceful, mild, tender images of the baby, we see the adult Jesus the same way that we see the baby Jesus and we see him as sweet-natured and gentle, but some one who talks softly and has a perfect complexion and a twinkle in his eye, we can imagine him being aggressive, belligerent, combative, or socially polite in any way. And so let me ask you the question that is asked in the famous Christmas song, what child is this? Do we really understand who it is that we worship and we welcome this Christmas? At his birth, the angels declared glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Peace on earth is the most dominant theme of the Advent season. Peace on earth is everywhere. It's on Christmas cards. You see it posted everywhere. And because of all of this talk about peace on earth, it would be easy for us to think that Jesus came to establish a peace that would end conflict and strife and to make our lives more comfortable, more safe, and more secure. But is that really what the angels are singing about? Is that really the significance of the name, the Prince of Peace? How do you reconcile the peaceful images of a baby in a manger with the statements of the adult Jesus in Matthew chapter 10? Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. So what happened to the Prince of Peace? What happened to goodwill toward all men? Jesus did not say that he had come to bring peace... But he came to bring a sword. This doesn't fit with our view of the sweet, innocent, meek, and mild baby. It doesn't fit with our culture's understanding of Jesus, the man, whom we have made as equally infantile, sweet, soft-spoken, and gentle. So how do we reconcile our view with the fact that Jesus says he came to bring a sword? What does that mean? obviously he's not speaking literally. To our knowledge he never carried a sword nor encouraged his followers to do the same. As a matter of fact, earlier in chapter 10 when they are getting ready to go on a journey, he tells them what they ought to take on their journey. A journey where they were going to be persecuted and they were going to be hated for his namesake and yet everything he tells them to take with them, he never tells them to take a sword. He's using a sword in Matthew 10 as a metaphor. He's using it as a symbol. And this is what he's saying. He's saying that his mission, he has come to turn the world upside down. He has come to threaten the world's understanding about power and the world's understanding about authority. And he did that from the moment of his birth. When King Herod heard that the Messiah, the divine King, had been born in Bethlehem, he was disturbed because even as a baby, Herod saw Jesus as a threat to his authority and power. Jesus came to turn the world upside down to show all of us a new concept of power and authority. And because of that, Herod tried to have him killed. At Christmas, we don't celebrate the birth of a passive Savior, a pushover Messiah, somebody who just came to make us feel better. Jesus is the most radical person who has ever walked the earth. He did not come to bring the culture's understanding of peace. He came so that you and I could make peace with God. He came to turn the ideals of this world upside down or right side up. He came to radically alter this world and to dethrone every illegitimate king that we've allowed to sit on the throne of our heart. And he does this by calling us into relationship with God, bringing us back into the kingdom of his Father. And he doesn't just invite the clean. He doesn't just invite the religious. Matter of fact, he offended the religious because he invited the ones everybody else thought were disqualified. He invited the sinner and the tax collector and the prostitute and the thief and the drunk and all of those who were disenfranchised from the religious community. He invited them into relationship with his Father And he invites us into relationship with his Father. He overturned the world by showing God's radical and lavish love for all people. And then he invites us to return that same love by loving God radically and lavishly with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, and our whole strength. That's exactly the reason why Jesus is so threatening, the reason why he turns the world upside down. Because in order to have a proper relationship with God, to love him with all that we are, it means taking those illegitimate kings off of the throne of our heart. And many of us are in love with the illegitimate kings that sit on the throne of our heart. Every one of us has put something in the place of authority in our life that rightly belongs to God. And just as Herod was threatened by the birth of the rival king, every illegitimate king in your life is threatened by the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ pride is threatened and addiction is threatened and whatever sin whatever label you want to put on it is threatened. Whatever idol that is on the throne of your heart is threatened by the birth of Jesus Christ because he has come to dethrone whatever is on the rule of your heart that is competing for the authority of God in your life. That's why he came to bring a sword. He came here to cut away those idols. He came here to detach us from that thing that is standing between us and our relationship with the father so let's pause for a moment and go back to linus reciting the christmas story charlie brown is best known for his uniquely striped shirt linus is most associated with his ever-present security blanket you see linus you see a blanket and if you've ever followed peanuts you know whether it's in the comic strip or the animated episodes Every one of the characters at some point or another has tried to separate Linus from his blanket. Lucy tried, Snoopy tried, Sally tried, and all of them worked to no avail in each comic strip that you might see recur or some of the episodes, animated episodes, to try to get him. And even though that security blanket is a major source of ridicule for an otherwise mature and thoughtful Linus, he simply refuses to give up the blanket. Until one moment. I had never noticed this until I watched it this year. And the one time in any episode that Linus parts from his blanket, he drops the blanket as he recites the Christmas story. But here is the greatest significance he drops the blanket literally as he repeats the word from Luke's gospel fear not! And when he drops, when he says the words, fear not, his security blanket falls to the ground. If you've never noticed it, watch it again. Look at it, and it's pretty clear that Charles Schultz was trying to say something. It's so simple, it's brilliant. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from habits that we are unable or unwilling to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security that we have grasped so tightly and learn to trust and cling to Him instead. The world of 2015 can be a scary place and for most of us we find ourselves grasping to something temporary to bring us security. Whatever that thing may be. It may be a job that can be here and gone tomorrow, a degree, it can be a retirement. It can be anything that brings us temporary fulfillment, a relationship, anything on this earth that brings us security now in the light of eternity is so very temporary. 2015 is a world that is difficult for us to say, Fear not. But I want you to look at the image, a screenshot from where Linus goes from the fear not moment and drops the blanket and he looks and says, For to us this day, A son is born in the city of David And when he does His eyes turn away from what is temporary Providing him security And his eyes turn towards What is up in front of him But in the midst of fear and insecurity A simple cartoon image from 1965 Continues to live on As inspiration for us to seek True peace and true security In the one place that it has always been And will always be found The peace that only Jesus can bring the peace that the Christmas message is trying to present to us. Peace in our heart. A peace that transcends this earth. A peace with God that lasts for eternity. Let me show you one more thing before we're finished today. Linus helps us discover the missing peace, as in quietness of soul. But there is a missing piece, like a puzzle piece. There's a piece missing in Linus's speech. When Linus quotes Luke's gospel, he uses the King James translation, which was the most dominant translation of the Bible in 1965. And since that time, many respected translations have emerged that make Luke's intent, the original intent, the Greek intent of his original Greek manuscript becomes more clear in several other translations. Listen to the King James, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. It appears in this translation that the peace of God has come to all men simply because Jesus has been born. And many universalists, and if you don't know what a universalist is, a universalist of people who believe that everybody's going to heaven no matter what they believe, they are universalists. And many universalists point to this verse of scripture as support for their universalist theology. That when you read this in the King James Version, that because Jesus has come to earth, peace has come to earth and goodwill has come toward all men. But no other translation of the Bible is as ambiguous here as the King James. Matter of fact, every other translation of the Bible, and it is found in the original Greek, makes sure to connect the fact that the peace that Jesus came to bring is known only among those who have a relationship with Him. Here's the NIV version, Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, notice this, peace to those on whom His favor rests. The English Standard Version of the same verse, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Even the Message Bible, which is not a literal translation but a paraphrase, says this, glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth, Who please Him. There is an obvious narrowing of who possesses the peace that Jesus came to bring. Those with whom God is pleased. And the Bible tells us that God takes the greatest pleasure in those who are in relationship with His Son. Paul explains this clearly in Ephesians chapter 2 when he says this in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself is our peace. Peace this morning on Christmas weekend is not a feeling or an emotion. Peace is found in a person. And I want to invite you this Christmas weekend to discover peace, not peace that is the absence of conflict, or not peace that is a false promise of an easier road. Some people who peddle the gospel will always tell you that if you come to Jesus, he'll make your life easier. Come to Jesus, it'll make your life better. I'm going to tell you that's not the case today. It's not always a given that when you surrender to Jesus, the peace that he brings will be an absence of conflict. Matter of fact, when you surrender your life to Jesus and you really get in, I don't mean shake a preacher's hand or join a church. I really mean you get it and you understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ. You've agreed to a counter-cultural way of life. You've agreed to swim upstream. You've agreed to walk against the flow. You have said yes to the following of Jesus which signs you up for a struggle of living a counter-cultural life. But within the storm of walking against the culture, there is the promise that he will provide for you, as he has his followers for thousands of years, a peace in the midst of the storm, a stillness in the eye of the hurricane. That's the peace that he has promised us. In just a moment, we're going to do something we do around the Christmas season a lot. And I want to ask our service team, if they will just hold steady for a moment. I'll give you a cue when we're going to serve communion, but I just want us to pause for a moment because what we're about to do is celebrate uh, together as a church family, what we call coming to the Lord's table or communion. And when we celebrate that, we are celebrating the most visible Christian celebration of 2,000 years, but it's not only the greatest celebration of Christianity, it's the greatest invitation of Christianity. Because when we gather around the bread and the cup that we're about to take, just small pieces that are symbols of a meal, we are going to celebrate what it means to be identified with Him and to be identified with them and them being other followers of Jesus Christ. I'm with Him and I'm one of them. And this is an awesome moment for us to stop and reflect the communion meal is a pretty narrow meal for the family. And so that's why when we take communion together, we ask if you're not a Christ follower. We don't, you don't have to be a member of North Place, but you need to be a member of his family. And, and if you're not a Christ follower, then respect that and just kind of let it pass on by. But the, the, the value of this moment is an opportunity for deep reflection. For those of us that are Christ followers to search our own hearts. And for those of us that are not to ask the question, what child is this? And is he really who he says he is? And if he really is who he says he is, then everything he says is true. And that means there's an eternity waiting for me on the other side of this life. And what I decide about Jesus decides my eternity. And I want to challenge you on this Christmas morning. There is no greater opportunity than in a moment right before his family receives communion for you to begin to ask the question and to decide, is this the moment where I want to step across the line of faith? Right now, all over the world this weekend and through Christmas Eve, believers will take a cup. Some of them will be in underground churches in the Middle East. Some of them will be in small house churches in China. They will be meeting together quietly, and yet they will risk their lives to take the bread and to take the cup. And yet, identifying with him and identifying with us is important enough to them that they're willing to risk their lives. Now, that's not the danger that we're in today. But my challenge for us that when we take the bread and the cup as Christ followers to today we understand the plight of those on the other side of the world who name themselves as one of us what they are up against simply because of their faith today and i want us to understand that when we take that bread in just a moment that we are ta- that bread is a symbol of christmas that's what the bread is it's a symbol of incarnation the bread is a symbol that god wrapped himself in human flesh And that His flesh is broken so that we could be made whole. God became one of us so that He might save us. And when we take the cup That juice is the same color as the crimson blood that He spilled on Calvary's cross. And when we drink the cup, it is a reminder to us that we are not defeated. I grew up my whole life singing, there's power in the blood. If you're addicted through the blood of Jesus, you're not defeated. If you're lost through the blood of Jesus, you can be found. If you're bound through the blood of Jesus, you can be set free. If you're sick this morning through the blood of Jesus, you can be healed. When we take the bread, it is Christmas. And when we drink the cup... We are reminded today that we are not defeated, but the blood of Christ has brought us near, and there is power in the name of Jesus. And I believe when we receive the bread and the cup, miracles can begin to happen all throughout this building because of this sacred moment on this Christmas weekend. I want to invite you in today. Service team, would you prepare to service? But before they pass out anything today, I want to pray. I think the most powerful thing in the world for you would be to step across the line of faith and surrender to Jesus in this moment. And the very first thing you do as a Christ follower is be a part of the family meal. I invite you. Step across that. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to surrender to Jesus. And there would be no more powerful moment than that moment of surrender to say, yeah, I can do that today. I want to do that today. I sense God pursuing me today. I want the Prince of Peace to come and rule and reign in my life today. And so, I identify with Him. Yes. I'm in, Pastor. I'm in. I surrender. I take the bread and the cup to identify with Him and to identify with them. I want to pray today. 25 years ago, November the 18th, 1990, I prayed this prayer that day is a moment for me, and what more special weekend to be your moment to look back on 25 years from now than Christmas weekend 2015. I, I, I know the preacher that night put some words in my mouth because I didn't really know how to pray, but I, 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 I said those words because I wanted to say them, but I didn't know how. And so let me just ask you, I'm going I'm to pray, and I want you to pray it with me. I want the North Place family to help me pray it out loud, but I want you, especially those of you who say, you know what, I'm tired of running. I'm I'm tired of being distant from God. I'm, I'm ready to come home. I want you to mean it in your heart. Come on, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, I surrender. I'm tired of running. I'm coming home. Let your peace rule in my heart. I confess with my mouth. You are Lord. I believe in my heart. You were raised from the dead. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. And I give all that's left to you. Jesus, I give you my life. Cleanse my sin. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. I want our team... That's right, come on, give God praise today. Our team is going to come prepare to serve you this morning. I want you to look in, make this a significant moment. We're going to receive the elements together after everyone has been served. Pastor Bear is going to make this moment worshipful. Would you take of the cup and bread and hold it for a moment as they serve you, and we will take them together. Father, we... Hold in our hand today as we prepare to take the bread, a visible, tangible symbol of Christmas. We hold a symbol of the incarnation. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. A God who could have chosen to know no pain, no suffering, chose to take all my pain, all my suffering. And Lord, would you let those of us that have carried it and not put it upon you? Amos tells us you're our burden bearer. And today, in this moment, may we transfer the heavy weight that we carry upon your shoulders. Because they're broad enough to carry the weight. May we understand that when nobody understands us or identifies with us, this moment reminds us that you came so that you could. Today, Lord, would you help Christmas become real to us in this moment and would you let what's broken in our life become whole as we receive in faith this broken body, the symbol of your broken body. In Jesus' name, would you take the bread today? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, we hold in our hand a cup. Today, Lord, there is sin that must be cleansed. Sickness that must be healed. There are things in our life that there is no human resource that can satisfy. But there's a fountain filled with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. And it will never lose its power. Today. Today Lord. Would you let lives be changed. And the miracle working power of God be at work. And may we rest. Because we have been brought near. By the blood of Jesus Christ. This cup is a cup of peace today. We have made peace with God. Because of what is in this cup. This is why You are known as the Prince of Peace. And Father, will you help us receive that in faith as we take the cup? Would you do that today? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. On the heels of communion, I want to light the candles today. Those of you that have been with us, you know that the first week we lit a candle that symbolized hope. The first Sunday of Advent, this expectant waiting that the King who broke in once is coming again. On the second weekend, we lit a candle that symbolized love. We unearthed love. Last week, Pastor Bell Bear helped us find joy. And this week, we've discovered what it means to find peace. We've discovered peace. And the only candle that is yet to be lit is the Christ candle. We will light that candle on Christmas Eve where we talk about the search is over. We've found what we've been looking for. And this room will be a little darker and from the Christ candle, the darkness will be put at bay as every little light grows until the whole room is lighting the room, singing worship to the King. It'll be a powerful moment as we conclude Advent. I'm looking forward to that day where Isaiah says the lion will lie down with the lamb. In his second advent, peace that the world expects him to bring now will come then. But in between the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, there is a peace that passes understanding available to us on whom his favor rests. Thank you for being a part of our weekend worship experience today. And let me just, I'm going to pray the blessing that I pray over you every week. Uh, But notice it always ends with a question asking God to grant you peace. And today may it mean a little more. Prayer team, would you come and make yourself available today? I would not want you to be available if there's someone here that wants to talk to them about their relationship with Jesus. You prayed that prayer with me, but you want to talk to them or maybe you need prayer for some other need in your life. The environment is going to remain worshipful for you to come and receive prayer from some of the wonderful people of our church that can agree with you in faith. Let me ask you to do me another favor. I'm going to ask them to put a slide on the screen because I want to help you. My joy as a pastor is to walk with you and your growth in Christ. If you've come back to Him today, you committed to step across the line of faith today, would you help me help you? If you could text a screen, on the screen, the word found, because that's what's happened to you. You've been found today. If you could text that word to 31996, it would allow me to follow up with you, to put some resources into your hands, and right after the holidays, I'm going to have a meeting to everyone who responds to this text, a private informal meeting, where I'm going to walk you through how I grew 25 years ago from a baby, spiritually, and began a journey towards spiritual growth. I want to help you. And if you walk out of this room, if you committed your life to Christ today, and you'll text this number, it'll help me follow up, serve you, and help you grow. It'll help me be a pastor to you. So Father, will you bless them and keep them? Will you make your face shine down upon them? Will you be gracious to them? Will you turn your countenance their direction? And God, will you grant them peace? In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, and God bless you. These altars are open today. Thank you for listening to this message from North Place Church. Feel free to duplicate or to share this message. For more information about North Place Church, visit northplacechurch.com.